The epistle for the Feast of the Sacred Heart is taken from St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Brethren, to me, the very least of all the saints, there was given this grace, to announce among the Gentiles the good tidings of the unfathomable riches of Christ, and to enlighten all men as to what is the dispensation of the mystery which has been hidden from eternity in God, who created all things, in order that through the church there may be made known to the principalities and the powers in the heavens the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him we have assurance and confident access through faith in him. For this reason I bend my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom all fatherhood in heaven and on earth receives its name, that he may grant you from his glorious riches to be strengthened with power through his Spirit unto the progress of the inner man, and to have Christ dwelling through faith in your hearts, so that being rooted and grounded in love, you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know Christ's love which surpasses knowledge in order that you may be filled unto all the fullness of God. Please stand for the gospel. The gospel is taken from the 19th chapter of the Gospel of St. John. At that time, the Jews, since it was the preparation day, in order that the bodies might not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a solemn day, they besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers opened his side with a lance, and immediately there came out blood and water. <clears throat> and he who saw it has borne witness, and his witness is true. And he knows that he tells the truth, that you also may believe. For these things came to pass, that the scripture might be filled. Not a bone of him shall you break. And again, another scripture says, They shall look upon him whom they have pierced. Please be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My dear faithful, in this act of reparation to the Sacred Heart of our Lord that, that we will recite after Mass, the Pope has us speak of our Lord's overflowing charity for men. Our Lord's charity, his love for us, was overflowing because it, it went far beyond what was strictly necessary. If you might think of a scenario where you're like extremely thirsty and you have this uh, burning thirst and you're asking for something to drink and, and someone hands you a cup and they start filling with water and they keep filling it and filling it and filling. finally the water goes outside of the cup. It's, it's overflowing. Um, our Lord's charity is like that. We see this in the, in the scene depicted in the gospel. Our Lord is, is shedding his blood on the cross. And that's almost like it's, it's not enough for our Lord to have shed so much blood, but he wants to shed it all. And so the, the soldier comes, even after he's dead, to pierce his heart, and the rest of his blood comes out. Our Lord... As it were, he keeps giving us his love and giving it until it re reaches an exceeding measure. First of all, we know that he came on this earth to redeem us from our sins. Already, that requires a very great charity. God must love us very, very much. He must have a very big heart if 
He's willing to come down from, from heaven and, and dwell on this earth with us wretched creatures and seek to save us from our own sins, to give his entire life to, to save us. That already, as I say, is, is a very great love, but we have to look at the way, the manner in which he redeemed us to see that his love really exceeded all measure. There was a superabundance of love that our Lord manifested in that he not only wanted to die for us, and already this is something I think that is really hard for us to grasp. Um, none of us have given our life for, for someone else. Um, perhaps none of us have, have really been able to, to understand what it would take. If, if I were in a situation um, where I, I had to offer my life, would I have the love necessary? Already this is something very great. But as I say, the, the way, the manner in which our Lord wanted to give his life for us um, was, was so humiliating. Our, our Lord wanted not just to give his life, but to be despised during his life. And this is what I want to reflect upon today, that, that our Lord saved us by becoming despicable. He wanted to be, as it were, despised among men, not just to give his life, but to humble himself, becoming obedient unto death, even to this terrible death of the cross. The spiritual authors speak of two types of humility that are available to us to practice if we want to foster the virtue of humility. One of them is humility of the mind, our understanding, where we assess and, and truly understand what we are, especially, especially our, our sort of um, despicable side, our, our, the side of us that is, that is not so savory. We understand deeply our weakness, our fallen tendencies. And then secondly, the second type of humility concerns our will. We then, we then have a will for, for what we truly are, um, our despicableness, if, if you will, we want, we want that to be recognized. So, so we, want, we want actually people to treat us according to the way we are. If, if we, we say to ourselves, well, I have all of these fallen tendencies, I have all of these vices, um, we then would want other people to recognize that. So our Lord did not have that first type of humility. Our, our Lord was not despicable in himself. He was perfectly innocent. He was absolutely virtuous um, and admirable in every way. But he did have that second type of humility. He did want to be despised. How do we know this? Because of the fact that, that he chose every aspect of his life. When, when he came on this earth, he was able to decide what would happen to him because he's God. He wanted to be humiliated and despised, and he was humiliated and despised. Who can dispute this? Let us look at, at his passion, um, that scene where, where he's being mocked by the Roman soldiers, where they perform this ceremony specifically designed to despise him. The soldiers led him away into the court of the palace, and they called together the whole band, and they clothed him with purple. You know, kings wore purple robes back in the day. And making a crown of thorns, they put it upon him, 
And they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck his head with a reed, and they spat upon him. And bowing their knees, genuflecting, they adored him. And after they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe from him, put on his own garments, and they led him out to crucify him. A ceremony of, of mockery, where, wherein they pretend, they don't believe that he's king, but they, they said, you claim to be king, we're going to pretend that you are a king. We're going to dress you up like a king. We're going to make a special crown for you. We're going to genuflect and, and mock homage before you, and we're going to spit upon you. Then, of course, our Lord was despised when he was on the cross. Crucifixion was the capital punishment for a slave. They chose to crucify our Lord not in some out-of-the-way place, but one of the, the purposes of crucifixion was to make it very public. You, you have someone on a cross, it, it sticks up above the ground. It's in a prominent place. We don't crucify you in a valley. We crucify you on a hill where everybody can see you. And our Lord was, was not just crucified by himself. He was crucified between two criminals, two actual criminals, two thieves. And so he was associated with them. Uh, people would, would walk by and say, oh, we've got three criminals here who are receiving the punishment for slaves. It was a time of um, uh, many people being in the, in the town of Jerusalem. It was a time of the Passover. People would come from the whole country in, in order to be there. They had to pass by our Lord in order to go to the city. So they, they all saw him there in, in a state of, of nakedness or, or semi-nakedness and of, of, of very great humiliation. And what, what did they do as they passed by him? They that passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, Va, you who destroy the temple of God and in three days build it up again, Save yourself coming down from the cross. In like manner also the chief priests, mocking, said with the scribes one to another, He saved others, himself he cannot save. Let Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified with him also reviled him. This is the fact that we have before us if we read the Gospels, that our Lord chose his life and one of the key aspects that he wanted to happen in his life was for him to be humiliated. He wanted to be humiliated. It was this choice of our Lord that have led the saints throughout the ages to have that same desire, a desire that seems crazy according to the world. For any man to desire humiliation is, seems to be total folly. The saints didn't need a reason to make that choice. They said, our Lord is the one I follow. He is my master. When our Lord comes down on this earth, he incarnates the wisdom of God. What he does is perfectly wise. Regardless of what the world is doing or what the world teaches me is the best thing, the best way to live my life, I must follow our Lord. He has a higher wisdom. He chose to be humiliated. So somehow, I must also convince myself that it's going to be good for me to be humili humiliated. 
I want to choose humiliation. There's many, many saints who have done this in the history of the church. One of them was St. Louis de Montfort. St. Louis de Montfort understood that, that word of, of St. Paul in his first epistle to the Corinthians, that um, the foolishness about the foolishness of God, the wisdom of God is, is foolishness to the world. And so he said, I want the wisdom of God. How do I get the wisdom of God? I become a fool for Christ. I, I have to desire to be humiliated like Christ was humiliated. And he had a sister who was a nun. And he wrote his sister and he says, please pray that I get humiliated. Um, and then later on, he, he writes a letter to her and he says, I feel the effect of your prayers. For I am more impoverished, crucified and humiliated than ever before. Both men and demons wage a most delightful and sweet war against me in this great city of Paris. Let them calumniate me. Let them mock me. Let them destroy my reputation. Let them put me in prison. How precious are these gifts. How delicious are these morsels. How charming are these grandeurs. These are the accompaniments and necessary results of divine wisdom, which enters into the house of those who want it to dwell with them. Many of you may be familiar with the Ignatian exercises um, that, that we have in very, that we have three retreat centers in the United States. Um, we have the five-day exercises for, for people who want to go and spend five days in silence and, and follow this method of going on a retreat that was designed by St. Ignatius. And there's a certain point you reach in the retreat where um, St. Ignatius is really wanting to challenge the retreatant and ask the retreatant to give all that he has. For what? Well, the, the whole retreat is, is designed to help us imitate our Lord Jesus Christ. That, that is the whole purpose. It's a, it's a sort of a spiritual boot camp to assist us to imitate our Lord. And you reach that climax, and St. Ignatius says to you, okay, you want to imitate our Lord? Well, guess what? Our Lord lived a life of poverty, and he lived a life of humiliation. Here's what I'm going to offer to you, three degrees of humility for you to want, for you to explicitly choose to, to embrace for your own life. Then he, he explains the first two degrees, and then he gets to the third degree, and he says, this is the most perfect kind of humility. It consists in this. In order to imitate and be in reality more like Christ our Lord, I desire and choose poverty with Christ poor rather than riches, insults with Christ loaded with them rather than honors. I desire to be accounted as worthless and a fool for Christ rather than to be esteemed as wise and prudent in this world. So Christ was treated before me. So you get this impression of, as we look over the history of the church of, of, of the Navy SEALs of our history. These are the Navy SEALs. These are the, the great figures of our Catholic past are, are the ones who said to themselves, my purpose in this life is to be like Christ as far as possible. And they understood in order to do that, I'm going to have to want the same things that he wanted. He wanted to be poor. I want to be poor. He wanted to be dishonored and humiliated I must want to be dishonored and humiliated. Quite simply, they're, they're 
has always been in the saints a great desire to return Christ's love. He showed a superabundance of love to me. What can I do to show a superabundance of love to him? I can do that by imitating him as closely as possible, by experiencing humiliations and poverty and offer that to him, that suffering that I received to him. There's certain times in, in our spiritual journey in this life, hopefully we're, we're all seeking for holiness. We, we want holiness. We do want this imitation of Christ. That, that we, we say to ourselves, I want over a period of time, as I get closer and closer to the end of my life, I want to resemble Christ more and more. I want my heart to be more like the heart of Christ. And as we go on this difficult journey, there are certain times when it's good for us to look once more at the goal. There are times when we have our, no, our nose to the grindstone, we're looking down, but sometimes it's good to, for us to look at the goal and remind ourselves where we're headed so that we can make sure we're on the right path. If, you, if you're heading up a mountain, you know, um, and, and you don't periodically look at, okay, the, the top of the mountain is over there. All right, so that's the direction I'm headed. I've got to make sure, recalibrate my steps to make sure I'm going in the right direction that's kind of what I want to do today. I want to, I want to recalibrate our sights. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm not a Navy SEAL yet. Um, you're, you're probably not a Navy SEAL as far as the virtue of humility goes. Um, I, I would wish that, that I had a desire like these saints, like St. Saint Ignatius and St. Louis de Montfort, a desire to be humiliated and despised. That would be great if there was a sincere desire in my soul. I don't think I'm there yet. But it's important for me to know that that is the goal. That if I want a total imitation of Christ, that is what I must strive for and to understand where the path is to reach that goal. So perhaps we're not ready to seek to be despised or desire to be accounted as worthless and as a fool, but we should be ready for those lower degrees of humility the first degree of humility is for us simply to be willing to submit to the law of God. I, I want to submit myself to God. Not, I'm not, in my, in, my, in my pride, I'm not wanting to say, um, I will do better than God, or I will choose something against God, but I would rather do anything rather than offend God by mortal sin, even lose my life. That is the first degree of humility, this willing to submit myself to God. The second degree of, of humility is simply a willingness to accept whatever God wants for me in my life. There's many things that happen to us that are out of our control. And we have control over, however, how we may react to what happens. Um, so the, the main thing is for us to be indifferent to what happens, to be willing for whatever God wants to happen to me. If, if God wants me to be rich, fine. If God wants me to be poor, Equally fine. I'm okay with that. If God wants me to be honored, good. If God wants me to be humiliated, also good. That is, that is the second degree. The third degree, us actually wanting the poverty and humility. So I, I think we can take from these reflections a bit of examination for ourselves. Um, for, first of all, is, is this actually my goal in my life? Do, do I really want in my life to imitate our Lord Jesus Christ, to be like him? Do I have that top of the mountain as 
my destination, in my heart of hearts? Is that what I seek and what I do? And then we can go over our, our behavior, how, how we behave at home with our family, how we behave at work, how we behave on the road when, when we're driving. How, how do I handle it when, when I'm corrected by somebody? When, when somebody says to me, that's not right, what, what you did. And am I full of anger? How do I handle it when, when I'm humiliated? You know, none of, none of us are perfect. And there's, there's sometimes things that we do where we, we mess up. We, we, we uh, fail in, in some regard. Or we do something embarrassing. How does that affect me? What is, what is my attitude when that happens? And am I wanting to avoid that at all cost? Or when it happens, am I'm okay with that? Have I reached the level of indifference? I'm okay. I'm in a state of humiliation and embarrassment right now, but that's okay. That's okay. I'm not perfect. You know, it's good for it's good for people to see that um, you know I I can't fail. I'm um, I, I do have some flaws. Um, or do I even reach the point where I'm like I'm I'm really glad that I got humiliated. This is really good for me. This is an opportunity for me to imitate Christ in a much better way than if I was not being humiliated and everything was going perfect for me. Am I angry when I'm humiliated? Or am I delighted? So my dear faithful, our Lord wanted to be humiliated and despised to show us a path to, to holiness, to heaven that the world never suspected, a divine wisdom. And he gave us this invitation. Learn of me, for I am meek and humble of heart. Um, let us try to excite in our hearts, on, on the solemnity of the Sacred Heart, a certain desire to be like Christ as far as possible. Let us ask him on, on this solemnity to, to change our hearts a little bit, to make our hearts a bit more like his own. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.